I write this to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Good morning. For those of you who haven't figured it out yet, that was my wife who except for himself has been the greatest gift that God has given me. Of course, God is greater. Before I start, I want to thank all of you who've been praying for Kathy and me as we go through this, shall we say, rough rough patch. It's nice to have brothers and sisters who love you and pray for you. This past Wednesday when I was doing dialysis, I think it was Wednesday, <clears throat> I was I was studying the, the, my notes for preaching this Sunday. And I fell asleep. And I've asked Deacon Steve Fascio that if any of you look like a bobblehead to come over and nudge you a little bit to keep you awake, unless you're praying. John is my favorite author in the Bible. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, I'm sorry. His Gospel in John twenty thirty one. he gives us his reason for writing the Gospel. He said, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. In 1 John five thirteen, he tells us the reason why he wrote the epistle. I write these things to you, believing in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. When I read that, I thought, what things... If that, that, that verse is in context, but these things are not mentioned just right previously. You have to go back to the beginning of the epistle to read it to find out what these things are. John also wrote his, his epistle because there was a heresy called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism said that spirit is good, Material is evil, therefore Christ could not have been in the body because that would make him evil. They had this theory that God can't, the God, the top God cannot create the earth because it's evil. So this God created the second God, the second God created the third God, the third God created the fourth God, the fourth God created the fifth God, however many generations there are. Then it was this bottom God that created the world. But the real God up here couldn't create the world because it's things. Uh, in a certain way, that makes sense. But as you study it further, it's nonsense. So in that regard, it could be sense. 3 John, if you review the, the great certainties of the Christian life, he talks about eternal life, the assurance of eternal life, the assurance of answered prayer, the assurance of victory, And the assurance of two great revelations in Christ Jesus. So these things are not limited to the matters discussed in the immediately preceding context. John is looking back on his entire epistle and explaining his aim in writing. I found six things to be these things. I ask you, if you have time, when you take time, read First John. Walking in the light, confessing our sins, obeying Christ's command, loving your fellow believers, the brothers and sisters in the Lord, practicing righteousness. If we observe these six things, we can be assured that these things, from these things, that we have eternal life. Walking in the light, verses 1, 5, and 7. In 1, 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. This God he's talking to here is the Father. The Father is in the light. The Father is the light. He is the Father. Walking darkness. What does walking in darkness mean? Living a sinful life. 
not committing individual sins, which we all do, but living a sinful life. Like what? Adultery. Denying that Christ is the Christ of Almighty God, the anointed. Walk in light, living a life pleasing to God. That's walking in the light of God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, Man's chief aim is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I believe that that's true. That is the chief aim in life. In two, one, in, in the second one, confessing his sins, in 1, 8 and 10, we read, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. We must realize that we sin or be self-delusional. Confession just means to agree which leads to forgiveness because God is faithful and just. Notice He's just. His justice. No other reason. His grace and His justice forgive us our sins. Not because we're any great shakes, but because He loves us. He loves us. This is hard to contemplate that the God of the universe, the God of the universe loves me. And whatever happens to me is for my good and His glory. For my good. It's painful. Yes, it's painful, but we must through. This is the part that people don't like to hear. We must through many trials and tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And we go, no, no, that's fair. No. No. No, not me. In verse 10... It says, if we claim we have not sinned, we have made him out to be a liar. Him is God. And and his word has no place in our life. It means that we're really not Christians if we say we don't sin. The Gnostics didn't believe in sin because they had one of two ways. They either completely just withdraw from the world and woe is me, and the other one was just to do the high life. What makes the difference? You know, since since matter is evil, it doesn't matter what we do because it can't touch our spirit. Oh, what we do in our body does touch our spirits. You bet your boots it does. The third one I came up with is obeying Christ's command. <coughs> In Matthew eleven twenty seven, Christ told us, No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. You're chosen of God if you know the Father. You're chosen by the Son, and He will reveal the Father to you, just as the Holy Spirit is sent to us to reveal Christ. The Holy Spirit points to Christ. Christ in you. Two weeks ago, was it that the pastor talked about you have the mind of Christ, which means that you shun evil and embrace good. But since we are such wimps, we sin. Why do we sin? Because we love it. Think about it. We really enjoy our sin. Blessed are those who grieve. Grieve over what? Their sins. My sin put Christ on the cross. My sin required Christ to leave the glory of the Father and come to this earth as a human being and walk for, for 33 years or whatever it was to be tempted as I am tempted and yet without sin. There is no sin. There is no temptation that's befallen me that's not common to man. We all have the same temptations. And as Paul said, woe is me. Woe is me. I do those things I really don't want to do, and I don't do what I should do. In verse 3 through 6 of chapter 2, we read, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 
But if anyone obeys his word, God loves is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. This is a little hard to my ear. We must obey Christ. If we don't obey Christ, the truth is not in us. We must permit Christ to live his life through us as he did 2,000 years ago. Christ has no hands but the hands that we have. He chose it that way. Whether you think that's right or not is immaterial. He chose it that way. He left the gospel to the church, which is us. And he went back to heaven. And he said, I will send to you a comforter. Tarry in Jerusalem until he comes. Tarry until he enters you. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit for eternal life. Sealed. No one can pluck you. You're in the hand of Christ, and Christ is in the hand of the Father. Nothing can break that. Nothing touches us that is not the will of God. Nothing. And He does it for our good and His glory. But yet, you know, sometimes I have to give God because He doesn't have all the facts. My God knows the beginning from the end. We think we know where the beginning is. Maybe it was before that. Christ didn't say that you would not walk through the valley of death. He said, I will be with you. Heard an old country preacher once put it this way. God didn't promise to level the road for you, but he will give you springs for your wagon. (laughs) And that's all we can hope for. In John, in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we are sure that we have the mind of Christ. It's there. We must let Christ and the Holy Spirit do their work. In John 15.4, Christ says, I am the vine and you are the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What value is there in anything we do apart from Christ? It has no value. What we do as we abide in Christ has everlasting value. It is hard to obey Christ at all times. But in John, the Gospel, in fourteen fifteen, he said, If you love me, you will obey me. What I command. Where do we find Christ's command? Scripture. They're there if we want to find them. In verse 4 and 5, I hope this is of the second one. Well, I've... Well, I must have been... This must have been when I slept. (laughs) Maybe it's 2, 4, and 5. Bear with me, children. Well... Talks, it talks again about obedience. And if we read it carefully, profession of faith in 2, 3 through 6 is here declared to be insufficient in itself. There are a lot of us who say, I've accepted Christ. And Scripture says that if you confess Him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you are saved. And so they take that and then they go on their merry way and you never see them in church again. You never see them talking about Christ because they have this fire insurance. Do the work of salvation. Scripture tells us that God created good works for us before the foundations of the earth were laid. Scripture says work out the salvation that is in you. Work out what God has worked in. Salvation is the work of God and not of us. Salvation in the preaching of the gospel is of Christ. We are just the mouth. 
What do you think, mouth of this? I see a boy back there. I see a young man back there having his Confederate flag. We will call him our brother in Christ, the mouth of the South. (laughs) It's good to see you today, brother. We missed you last week. Did you get hung? John does not say that such a person is merely deceived, but he himself is a deceiver. He's a liar. We have the old argument of grace and works. You know, there are people that say works. No, works, works, works are the fruit. Grace and faith are the. No, excuse me. Works. Yes, works are the fruit. Grace and faith are the, are the roots. Like the one who refuses to admit that he's a sinner in one eight, he does not possess the truth, especially understanding of spiritual things, which realize that genuine knowledge of Christ, that is to know him, must be accomplished by a life of obedience. rebels all of us are rebels we sin because we love it and when we come through the other end of it we have ash in our mouth and we say oh Lord forgive me and he forgives us but you see we are so stupid that we do it again and again and again and again and again in the patience of our father is past our understanding. God is good. We are the children of God. Don't you think as children we should reflect God? Think of our children. Oh, he has his father's eyes. He has his mother's chin. She looks exactly like her. We should look like God. We're his children. We should look like Christ Jesus. In Romans it says God works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The next verse, which we don't read, tells us his verses, his purpose, to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the purpose of God. That's the Father's wish. He wants to see a bunch of little Christ running around, if you will. To be conformed to the image of Christ. And brothers and sisters, that's going to involve pain. As we give these things over to the Lord. And when we see Christ, we will be like Him. His beauty, the beauty of the holiness of God is beyond our understanding. God is beautiful. He is in the light. And we choose darkness. God forgive us. Love fellow believers. In 3, 14 and 15, it says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. It talks about hatred as being murder. You hate a fellow Christian? This epistle is to the Christians. It's not to the world. This is to you and me. It says, hey, somebody in the church you don't like, you hate them? You better rethink. We know we have eternal life because we love our brothers and brothers, our fellow Christians. Love is defined in verse 16, which says, This is how we know that, we, that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Sometimes, if you think about it, death is an act. Boom, it's over. But is it saying that? Or is it saying day by day? Pour out your life for the church, which is harder to do than to die one time. Day by day, give up your preference for your brothers and sisters. Don't think more of yourself. 
and yet we we think we're the cock of the walk because we're sinners if a person does not love God's people this is an indication that he is in darkness which is to be separated from God who is light And the one who hates his fellow Christians is in darkness, even until now. This is the same as saying that he has always been in darkness, and he has never entered the light. Such a person cannot claim to be in fellowship with God. If you hate a non-believer, woe to you, for God loves him. And yet sometimes we think we know more than him, don't we? That's why we sin. This is special. This is different. And it doesn't apply anymore to Scripture because, oh my, am I the only one who has these thoughts? If you knew what I knew, you would not really associate with that person because that person is beyond the pale. Oh, they are. I didn't know that. This side of eternity, as long as we're sucking breath, God may have chosen us. It just may take some of us a little. I'll be 80 years old this this month on the 26th of March. The first 40 years, I had no time for God. And women who were only good for two things, and quite frankly, my dear, I don't care if you can cook. This was my attitude. But the hound of heaven gets on your trail. And if you're elected by God, he will get you. And you will enjoy it when he gets you. Because life will take on meaning. Days will be beautiful. You will see sometimes in people, you want to see the body of Christ? Look around you. The church is the body of Christ. So you don't need to wait to see Christ, although I look forward to seeing him in the flesh. Because he still has his body. His body went to heaven. I don't understand that, but that's beyond my pay scale. It's just a little bit higher than my than what I understand. Number five is believe in Jesus as God's incarnate son. In verse 23, we read of the third chapter, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. The Holy Spirit sealed us. We are assured of our salvation. However, belief is reflected in practice. I can't think of of an example, but I'll say something like, I know that. Oh, I know that if I eat certain things, I'll, I'll upset my stomach. So, well, I know that. No, I don't. Well, but I know that already, Albert. I I know that when I do this, it's wrong. I know. No, you don't. If you knew it, you wouldn't do it. (laughs) If you knew it truly, not here, but here where you live. We live from here. Let's let's be adults about it. We think we're rational and we understand. No, here is where I live. Here in my gut. When I was a complete heathen and abused my family. The first time I did it, the pain in my in my stomach was as I go along further and further into abuse. It has no meaning. It becomes second nature. This is the power of sin. It grabs us and pulls us down further and further and further and further and further into the muck and the mire. And people say, now you don't need to do that. Do No, I don't need to do that. But what's that to you? And then Christ comes. He comes down into the muck and the mire. 
He comes down to the filth. He comes down to the sins that are beyond understanding. And he says, I love you. I have chosen you. Come, my brother. Trust me. Obey me. I will never leave you nor forsake you through all eternity. And you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. That your grace and your forgiveness is greater than my sin. And we cry over our sins. And we say, why, Lord, out of all the millions and billions of people that have lived in this life, why did you choose me? And I don't know why he chose me, but I thank him daily. I don't know what the future holds, and neither do you. But thank our gracious God that we know who holds the future. The future is in the hands of our Father. In Matthew seven twenty-one through 23, Christ has some hard words for us. Hard for some of us. Hard probably for most of us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He who, the will of Christ is the will of the Father. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will obey me because I am God and I know what is best for you. And you can argue and you can kick against the, the, the bricks so long until your ankles become sore. You know those things that they put in a wagon so horses don't run off to the right or left? It hurts them when they do that. And they're smart enough to only do it once. We are so bright that we'll do it five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times or more brilliant brides that we have apart from the mind of Christ it has been my experience and I hope I hope this is true I think it's true I have learned in some situations not to question Christ not to question God he says my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts my thoughts are so much higher than the heavens above the earth. Trust me. Trust and obey. Remember that hymn? Trust and obey. There is no other way. It's a good hymn. It's scriptural. When I meet Christ, because I will, He will say one of two things for me to me. The one will be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the other one would be, away from me, you evildoer. I pray to God, I get the former. I pray to God that you hear the former. Welcome into the kingdom of God, which was prepared for you before the foundations of the earth. Before God created this world, he knew you. And he knew he would choose you. Why? I don't know. That's in the mind of God. We have the mind of Christ. I still don't know. It's in his mind. Practice righteousness. On Tuesday evening, we have men's study. We're studying... Uh, what's it called? We're studying MacArthur's book and another man, Richard Mayhews. We're studying um, systematic theology. And one of the things we'll be studying shortly, if I can find it here, wake up, Albert, okay. 
Oh, there it is. Thank you. I will read this to you from John MacArthur, and the other man's name is Richard Mayhew, about the righteousness of God and our righteousness. In Revelation 2, 3, and we just studied that, chapters 2 and 3, contains Christ's letter to the seven churches of Asia Minor. These are the only scriptural accounts of Christ critiquing his church in all the scripture. In them, the Lord commands these features, and there must be added, and count them, it looks like there's 30 there. He commands good deeds prepared by the Father. Hard work. Mm. Hard work. Study the scripture. Life is tough and then you die. You can have that attitude or life can be a joy with the Father. Mm. Endurance. He who endures until the end. Discernment. It's our responsibility when somebody stands up here and God says, and he says, God told me to tell you, you better be able to say, I look in Scripture. But, let me put, put this into the neck. Bust the chops of any elder who preaches a, something that is not true in Scripture. Amen. You have a problem with an elder, the only problem you should have, assuming he's not a tearaway. If he doesn't teach scripture, you don't go to him quietly. You admonish him in front of the church. For your fellow Christian, you go to them. For the elder, no. You bust their chops in front of the church, the whole church. But be sure that he is not teaching scripture. If we ever have a pastor who doesn't preach from Scripture, we will correct him. And if he will not accept it, see, it's that responsibility as a church. It's your responsibility to know Scripture, to hold us accountable. Suffering, oh my goodness, suffering, oh no. Lord, I don't want to suffer. And he tells us you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer because the world is going to hate you despise you, even those of your own family. That's right. Mm -mm. But you know what I like about the church? You find mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters that are in the blood of Christ, which is closer than the blood of family. Mm. Two, Two institutions that the Father gave us, marriage, the family, and the church. And they're all related by blood. The church by the blood of Christ, which is deeper than the blood of ancestors. Faithfulness to the end. Be faithful to the end. And I'll give you a crown of life, Christ says. Holding fast to Christ's name. Christ's name is his character. When we pray in Christ's name, it's not a little hocus pocus we put on the end. It says, in Christ's character, we ask this. If you cannot ask it in the character of Jesus Christ, you cannot ask for it at all. Do you understand that? If you're outside the will of God, you can't ask for it. Ask. He will let you know if you're outside the will, His will. The character of Christ is holy, righteous, sinless. It's His essence. And you know, I think sometimes that our Heavenly Father is is more interested in giving us what we need than we are in what we receiving it. Because He loves us. Do you love your children? No, truly. Do you love your children? I was listening to Stanley this morning. He said this. Did you ever say no to them? Oh, then you expect your heavenly father to be different and to give you those things which will harm you? That's nonsense. If your child asks for bread, will you give him a stone? (laughs) Your heavenly father is much better than you. Your Heavenly Father won't give you a stone when you ask for bread. Not not denying the faith. 
We deny the faith when? When we don't tell our friends and neighbors and our loved ones about Christ. Do we deny the faith when we sin? I don't think so. I don't think we deny the faith. We still know that Jesus is right and we're wrong. It'll come to us. Love. Love is the agape love. If I love you, there isn't a one thing, thing one, that you can do about it. If I truly love you in the love of God, in the love of Christ, it would not then matter how you treat me. Because we treat God that way, and yet His love goes on and on and on. If I love you, I want the very best for you, and the very best for you is Christ Jesus. There is nothing that compares to that. In the church, we... We build each other up. We're like a body. I could be a toe. When the toe hurts, the body suffers. When you have a headache, nothing else matters than to relieve that pain. In the church, we should be like that to each other. Nothing matters more to me than your pain and your joy. To rejoice with you when you're happy and to suffer with you when you're suffering. I love the end to be able to rejoice with you. I'm not so sure I'm going to erase the suffering. But if I love you, I will put your needs above mine. Faith. Faith comes through the grace of God. No other way. We don't earn it. We don't lose it. They say, well, he lost his faith. No, he never had it to begin. True faith does not waver. Amen. I have Kathy today. If you didn't know, she's my wife. I trust her implicitly. I will always trust her implicitly. Because I love her and I know she loves me. I know that God loves me. Service. Every Christian has been given a spiritual gift. And it's expected by God to work out that spiritual gift in the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the church. We are saved not so that Christ can put us on a little pedestal, but we are saved to get our hands dirty and our knees scuffed in service to our fellow man within the church in service to Christ righteous living and we'll discuss that later keeping Christ's word which is the gospel the gospel was given to the church not to so called you know those Christians that go up in the mountains I can worship God there no you can't because you worship God in spirit and in truth, and the spirit and the truth is in the church. Yes, we have our devotion daily, but it is the church that Christ entrusted the gospel to. He says, I will build my church, my church, my church, not your church, not my church, his church. He is the foundation, and we're building blocks. Submission, you know what that is? Obedience. Repentance. You know how you can tell when Albert's repented of a sin? It's very simple. He don't do it no more. Repentance means to agree with God. Patience, oh boy. I want patience tomorrow, but for the day I've got to give you a piece of my mind, and I can't afford that piece of my mind because there aren't many pieces left. Accepting God's Word, standing firm in the faith, pleasing God by living a godly life, loving the brethren, church, 
prayer. In Sunday school this morning, we talked about prayer. Our prayers do not change God's mind. It doesn't. So what's the purpose of prayer? To change our mind and think God's thoughts after Him. Nothing influences God. He is who He is. But we should pray. And even if we pray outside the will of God, I'm not saying don't pray, I'm saying keep praying. When the time is right in His economy, He'll change your mind. Evangelism, evangelistic fervor. Do we have that in this church? We talked about this in, in men's, men's group. And we were saying, do we really have it? Or do we just close within ourselves? Mm. We need to think about baptism. Strong teaching and preaching. That's what uh, the Lord commands. Spiritual leadership. Not just from from the deacons and, and the elders. There, 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 there's something called charisma. When I was when I served in Uncle Sam's finest, he had us sergeants who were in charge because the organization said these guys are in charge. But within those groups of privates and PFCs and corporals, there was some some a natural leader of men. And sometimes you would come to blows with them because you had the organizational authority. They had the charisma. And men just naturally followed them. These men, if they kept their nose clean, would rise to rank very quickly. Dependency on God. Do we truly depend on God or say, well, I'm going to do this? God said, depend on me. Joyful attitudes all the time? Yes. There's, some, there's a difference between being joyful and being happy. Mm. Happy depends upon happenstance. Joy is something that God gives you. Even in distress, you have the joy and fellowship of the Father and the Son. Generosity? Boldness to proclaim the gospel. Growth, which is what's that word for growth? That we become more like Christ as we study His Word. I can't think of it right now. Sanctification, Sanctification thank you, which is a process and not a, 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 a. All of our life will be moving towards sanctification. It's a process. As we know Christ more. Hopefully we will be better citizens. Not of the earth because it's it's not our our home is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're United States citizens before that we are citizens of the kingdom of God and it takes precedence over whatever comes out of Washington or Phoenix or wherever else the earthly authorities reside. Ministry of the Holy Spirit. Discipleship. We are to make disciples of men. Sacrifice. As we come to know Christ better, we will sacrifice more to the day comes when it is no longer a sacrifice. Spiritual priorities. We have priorities. Let us hope that they are the priorities that Christ has for our life and not just our self-centeredness. Which I... Can tell you that mine is legions. It's it's legendary. Spiritual potential. 
Submission to God's sovereignty. How many sovereigns can you have? One. If God is sovereign, then nothing happens against His will. You can't argue with Him. You can't do anything because He's sovereign. Remember sometimes when you tell your children, you have to do this, they say, why? And the only response you can come up with, I said so. And they go, no, no, they won't accept that. You better accept that from God. I said so. What's your problem? This morning we studied Jonah, right? Jonah, what's your problem? Why are you upset? You, di- you, you didn't make that, that, that thing grow to shade you? Yeah. Why are you angry? At what? You either trust me or you don't. If you don't, well, then class is over. By contrast, the Lord condemns the following characteristics. Lost love. There's a church that left their first love, which was Christ Jesus. We love God. Why? Because he first loved us. And drew us to him. Absence of first deeds, which means the good deeds that God has prepared for us before the nations of the earth. Compromise. Tolerating sin. Tolerating sin. Oh, you need to understand what, what happened back two years ago. So, you know, we have to... It's the difference between forgiveness and tolerating. Tolerating our own sin. Scripture says, Whosoever is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. Tolerate the sin of others or yourselves. Immorality, and you know what that is. Idolatry, we know what that is. Idolatry is we take Christ off the throne and put myself on there. I want what I want when I want it the way I want it. And so we're all idolaters. And idolatry is like witchcraft. Deadness in our spirit. Incomplete deeds. Lukewarmness. Christ told the church, you're lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold. (laughs) I wish you were either completely with me or completely opposed to me. Hypocrisy. Oh my goodness, am I good at that? False teaching. I pray to God that we never have false teaching in this church. Undisciplined living. Disunity, sin. Arrogant divisions. How many churches are divided because of arrogance? They can't prove that the pastor has ever preached against the gospel cut the word of God straight, but yet for whatever reason, there's something in Scripture they don't like, so they don't like the preacher. God's word isn't going to change just because you don't like it. Prolonged spiritual immaturity. Mm. Are you still being fed milk, or is it time now for you to have strong meat? To be an adult? To hear the things that are not so easy to hear. Suing one another. You don't take you don't take a fellow brother or sister to court. What do you do then, Albert? You eat it for the love of Christ and the love of his church. You just write it off and give it over. Abusing Christian liberty. Whoa. I am saved, therefore I can do this little sin. True liberty, I believe, is doing that which Christ commands because I want to. That's liberty. To do that which I'm supposed to do because my desire is that way. Profaning the Lord's Supper. We're going to do the Lord's Supper now. Search your soul for sin and confess it before you come to the table. Think long and hard. Misappropriating spiritual gifts. 
not using them. You know, if, if your muscles is being in open now, if you don't use your muscles, if you use it, you lose it. Unwillingness to forgive. Oh, <clears throat> if they only knew who I was, they wouldn't treat me that way. <laughs> Unforgiveness is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. It doesn't work that way. It marks us. Slow to give. God loves a cheerful giver. And this last one, critical of leadership within the church. If the man or woman is wrong, you have something against them, go and talk to them. Don't tell the other members of the church. You know, you know that Albert did it. You know that Andrew did it. You know Steve. Oh, I couldn't believe he did that. Go talk to Steve. Oh my goodness! I've run over, and I didn't think I'd have enough time. I want to close from Micah six eight. And I, I've told the Sunday school class, now we've been in the Old Testament now for the better part of my life. Can we uh, maybe get to the New Testament? <laughs> and so I read you from Micah 6 8, which is in the Old Testament, which I've grown to love. Micah writes, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God requires of you. So if you find that you are walking in the light as he is in the light, confessing your sins to him and to others. James says, confess your sins one to another, that you may be healed in your body, no, maybe your spirit. Obeying Christ's command. Loving the fellow believers, loving the church, believing in Jesus as God's incarnation, and practicing righteousness. You can be assured by these things that you have eternal life.